Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're joining with us here as we continue on in this series called Rooted, really just looking at three practices that can ground us in God and keep us centered in a really uncertain and a shaky world. And we took a look at the importance of caring last week. Last week, we dove pretty deeply theologically into the requirement of Christians to be caring, of how we are called to love God, but then that love is meant to be shown in how we love our neighbors. And so today what I want to do is I want to dive really practically into how we can be caring for those around us. Because I believe that our world really needs demonstrations of care and kindness, mercy and compassion. That what we are called to be here at Bethany is really a caring community for a hurting world. And so today, today I want to give you five ways that we can be a part of that. Okay? And so we're going to take a look at five practical ways to be caring. And the first one is just this. That if you want to be a caring person, we need to learn to listen. I just really believe that if you want to actually care for those around you, one of the very first steps we need to take is to learn to actually to listen to one another. And I know that in many ways, stating that we need to learn to listen as a way of caring is a really simple thing that I think many of us understand almost intuitively, but it's actually a very difficult thing to practice. And it's something that is actually quite rare in our world. Listen to Kate Murphy and what she says. She's the author of You're Not Listening and What You're Missing and Why It Matters. She says, in writing a book about listening, I asked people from Brooklyn to Beijing what it meant to be a good listener. She says, the typical response, however, was a blank stare. People had no trouble, however, telling me what it meant to be a bad listener, that we've all had experiences with that, right? Rattling off actions such as interrupting, looking at a phone, or responding in a narcissistic or confused way. She says, the sad truth is that people have more experience being cut off, ignored, and misunderstood then heard to their satisfaction. Isn't that true? She says the sad truth is that people have more experience being cut off, ignored, and misunderstood than heard to their satisfaction. I think that's happening today in our day and age and in our world. In fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who you all know I love deeply, he wrote this in the 40s. And how true is this for our current world, especially for the church? He says, many people are looking for an ear that will listen. He says, though they do not find it among Christians, because these Christians are all busy talking when they should be listening. I think that that's true, that if we are followers of Jesus, what we should be doing, to state this unequivocally clearly, is that we should be people who listen deeply because we care about others, okay? I wanna say that again, that we should be people who listen deeply because we care about others. This is what the Bible asks of us. This is what being a caring person kind of demands of us. This is a practical action we can each take. Listen to some of these verses that speak about the importance of listening. Okay? James puts it this way. He says, understand this, dear brothers and sisters. You all must be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Isn't that amazing, like advice and commands in a really divided world? He says, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Our Proverbs puts it this way. And again, I think these are some real verses and principles that we should not only listen to, but to actually act upon. Proverbs puts it this way, uh, Solomon speaking. He says this, Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. Or Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, Fools think their own way is right, but the wise, the wise listen to others. That what we should recognize as Christians is that for us to care deeply for others, you cannot do that by ignoring other people, by not listening to other people, by not engaging in other people. 
that we really do need to be people who prioritize listening over speaking if we are going to be caring individuals, caring people, if we're going to be a caring community to a hurting world. In fact, as Christians, I think that we should understand this very, very deeply because what we know about the God that we follow is that the God that we follow is a listening, attentive, caring God. Anyone want to say amen to that? That the God that we follow is a listening, caring, attentive God. In fact, one of the biggest attributes of God that is spoken about in the Bible is how God is someone who turns towards us to listen to us, to hear us, and to understand us. In fact, in Psalms, this is just one verse that we could pick. It says this, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. Right? That you feel cared for when God hears your voice. He says, for he has heard my cry of mercy because he turned his ear to me and I will call upon him as long as I live. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what we desire right in our own lives? And I think as Christians, if we know that God turns towards us, turns his ear towards us to listen, this is the same actions and the model that we should be following. We should be turning towards others to listen. And here's what good listening actually looks like. Um, Henry Cloud, who's an amazing author, he writes it this way. He says, true listening and understanding occurs only when the other person understands that you understand. That's what true listening looks like that it happens when the other person understands that you understand. So if we're gonna get better at listening, what we need to do is we need to stop talking so much. What we need to do is to turn off our phones. What we need to do is to prioritize the other person and to really let them be the center of things. So often I think in conversations and even in civil ones, so often what we're actually doing when we're in a conversation, we're not actually listening, we're waiting for our turn to speak. Have you ever experienced that? I think that's what often happens, that sometimes we're just waiting for our turn to say something, or we're planning out what we're about to say, or we're giving out the next kind of bit that we want to share with that person. But true listening is not planning out what you're going to say or waiting for your speak to say. True listening is actually waiting and hearing and really seeking to understand the other person. Okay? What psychologists have taught, uh, teach us is that we think at about 900 words per minute, okay? Uh, but then what we speak at is about 125 words per minute. I mean. I can probably speak a little bit faster than 125 words per minute. But what this kind of means for us is that if we are going to actually learn to understand someone, it's going to take us a long time. Because what will happen is it will take much longer for them to put all their thoughts into words. So we have to be patient. We have to be willing for there to be some silence sometimes. We have to be willing to ask questions and to not just give answers. I think as Christians, if we are going to be caring people, we need to be listening people. So the first action that we can do is to Listen, okay. the second action I want to give to you as a practical way to care is just this, that we need to show up for other people, okay? That we need to show up for other people. And here's what I mean by that. That whenever you show up for anything that matters to someone, whether that's to like your kid's basketball or hockey game, whether that's to someone's uh, funeral, whether that's, you know, to somebody just after a baby has been born, dropping off food or whatever it may be, that when we show up, what this means is that we are prioritizing someone else and this is an act of caring. Okay? That when someone shows up, that really does demonstrate an act of caring. And I think in this past year, we've all realized the importance of actually physically showing up for someone. That while in many ways technology is great, that we can be speaking this way, or you can have Zoom calls or whatever, but in many ways this doesn't just quite cut it. That what we have been reminded of over this past year is the importance of actually physically showing up in ways for people. And we see this actually in the Gospels as well. I want to uh, read to you a little bit out of the Gospel of John in John 19. And here we see Jesus at his most vulnerable moment. 
He's actually being crucified. This is the deepest and the darkest moment. I want to notice what happens here and how it affects Jesus. So standing near the cross was Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there besides the disciple that he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. That what the Apostle John here is teaching us is that while Jesus was at his most difficult moment, what happened was he showed up along with, with Jesus' mother. He was there. And this gave Jesus comfort. This gave Jesus actually encouragement because he knew then that John could look after his mother. And that this act of actually showing up can remind somebody that you care deeply for them. But sometimes too, sometimes too, uh, the people who don't show up are actually can be a hurt, right? Like if you notice in this passage, just one of the disciples showed up and that must have affected Jesus. But I think if we're going to be caring people, we need to learn about the practice and the art of simply showing up. To show up with a hug, to show up with a meal, to show up with a word of encouragement when somebody is down. That the actual effort of going to someone shows that they are worth it. Shows that you care for them. I just think this is something we need to continue to do. We need to continue to show up for people in practical and tangible and in real life ways. If we want to care for people, it can't simply be done at a distance. I think that there is value in us taking effort to show someone that they matter to us by showing up in various ways. Third way, the third way that you can actually care for someone. The third way that you can care for someone is through food. Now, food not only is something for sustenance, right? You know what food really does though? A meal really does? A meal actually connects you. A meal grounds you together. A meal actually brings two people together or a group of people together. And I think, and I think in this day and age, especially with COVID, what I've realized is how much I've missed having like long extended meals with people, right? Because meals do deeply connect you with one another. And meals are actually a way of caring for people. And we can see this in the Bible uh, really clearly in the life and ministry of Jesus. That actually, if you pay attention to the book of John, uh, if you read, uh, sorry, the book of Luke, if you read the book of Luke, what you'll notice is just this, is that Jesus is either going to a meal, at a meal, or leaving a meal. The entire book of Luke is like structured around meals and encounters, and these are where relationships are formed and deepened. And I could show you that, uh, how meals in the book of Luke are really examples of caring. But today I actually want to go to a passage you may not be terribly familiar with. Today I want to go to a little bit of an odd story to show you the importance of actually showing up with food as an example of caring. And so today I want to take a look a little bit at a story in 1 Kings 18 and 19 with Elijah. Now, here is the uh, context of the story if you're not familiar with it. What's happening in this moment is that Israel is really being led by false and fake kings, right? That's what's happening. And they're actually being uh, encouraged, the people are being encouraged, to worship false idols. And so there comes this kind of showdown between Elijah as the true prophet of Yahweh, of God, and all these other prophets of Baal and Asherah, and this king named Ahab. And there's about 850 prophets of Baal and uh, of Asherah, and there's just Elijah. And so the contest then that they decide to see who is the true God, who is the real, you know, uh, reality and the real ruler of Israel is that they will have this contest to see um, which altar gets burned up by fire from heaven from God. And so the prophets of Baal and Asherah, they do their uh, entire kind of rituals and all of that and nothing happens. And Elijah, if you don't know him, if you've never read about Elijah, Elijah is pretty fierce. Elijah is pretty courageous. He's also pretty salty. Like he just mocks them. He just makes fun of them. Like he's really aggressive towards them. And then what happens though with Elijah is that God shows up and God vindicates Elijah and he burns up Elijah's altar. And then there's this amazing moment where a drought is actually uh, uh, stopped and where there's rain that comes back. 
And what this becomes is like the biggest moment in Elijah's life. There's like vindication, there is victory, it's this huge high. But what sometimes happens after the victory or after the vindication, what sometimes happens is that then there is the dip. Then there can be difficulty. Then you can be wondering what else is there. And this is what happens to Elijah actually. He has this amazing moment, this mountaintop moment, but then doubt and worry and fear start to creep in because King Ahab says that he will kill Elijah. And this is where I wanna pick up the story and read from there. So Elijah was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and he prayed that he might die. He says this, I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. You can see the kind of place that he is in. He's in a vulnerable place. He's just defeated. He's just feeling so down. He's just so done. He just says, I just want to be done with everything, Lord. You might be there at some points. You might have experienced that same kind of feeling that Elijah is. I want to notice God's response to Elijah, okay? Because God does not show up with a verse for encouragement. God does not show up berating Elijah for his lack of faith, saying to him, Elijah, I just showed up miraculously to in front of those 850 prophets of Baal. Like, why are you doubting me now? Now listen to what happens. Listen to how God shows up for Elijah. It's something that I think we need to pay attention to as Christians. It says this, and then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat, get up and eat. And he looked around and beside his head was some bread baked on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. So what we see in this story really clearly is that God feeds Elijah. God shows up with food for Elijah. This is what provides relief and encouragement because follow with me, sometimes, sometimes when somebody is in a really difficult place, when they're in a really depressed place, when they're in a really dark place, what they don't need is more advice, counseling, or planning. You know what they need? They need like a casserole, okay? Somebody who is Mennonite should say amen to that, okay? They need food, right? That's what God shows up with. And he says to Elijah that Elijah doesn't need, you know, more encouragement. He doesn't need uh, a verse of direction. He doesn't need berating for his faith or whatever. What he needs is some bread, some water, and some rest. This is a way that we can show care for other people, is when we show up then with some food, with some bread, some water, and some rest. And I can tell you, at least for me, that when people have done this, even in the past uh, number of months, especially when Krista was on placement, when we had people like Tom and Shirley drop off food, or we had Linda's fantastic homemade ice cream or whatever, these small actions actually made a massive impact in our life. They reminded us that we were cared for. So I think one way practically that we can care for people is to show up with food, is to give them something that reminds them that we care for them and love them and know about what they are going through. And when I say you can show up with food, sometimes it can be these extravagant meals for sure, but sometimes it can just be bread and water. One of the meals that I remember most actually is when my dad uh, was dying. What happened was my dad went into the hospital and he kind of uh, slipped into a coma and he wasn't you know, able to communicate and all of that. And the doctors shared with us that he had 24 hours to live. Uh, but those 24 hours actually stretched on to three weeks. So for three weeks, we lived in that hospital room. For three weeks, we were there constantly around the clock. For three weeks, we were waiting and wondering. And it was a really difficult, incredibly draining, and just really, really, really tiring and wearying and difficult season and space. And I can remember actually when my brother-in-law showed up uh, once to come and visit with us. 
My brother-in-law is incredibly kind and compassionate. He's also somebody who doesn't cook much. So I can remember him walking into the hospital room and him saying to me, I didn't know what to bring, but I felt like you guys needed something. So he showed up with 40 McDonald's hamburgers. That's what he showed up with, 40 McDonald's hamburgers. And I remember then, me and my other two brothers, the four of us, all kind of going out into the kind of the lounge and we just sat there in silence and each of us ate like eight or nine hamburgers each, right? It wasn't like an extravagant meal, but it is one that I remember because it was with such care. So when you show up with food for someone, yes, it can be extravagant, but it can also be like, you know, fresh baked bread. It can also be hamburgers from McDonald's. What matters is whether we show up with food as an act of caring, not necessarily what we bring. So practically then, how can we care for people? We can listen, we can show up, we can bring food. And then the next one I want to um, share with you is another practical way, but it's a small thing, but it's a big thing. It's that if we want to care for people, we need to learn to remember, okay? We need to learn to remember. And here's what I mean by that. that I think when somebody's going through something difficult, it is important for us to pray for them, to care for them in that moment. It's important for us to be there in that moment. But what also really matters is to follow up later, is to actually show up later, is to remember the burden and the weight that they were carrying. Like for example, when my dad passed, lots of people, you know, that week asked me how I was doing. Not so many people the month after, or the month after that, or the month after that. I think what ends up happening in the West is that we have a very short-term memory. But if we want to care for people, one of the most important things we can do is to check up after, to say, how has this been going? What's been happening there? Is to actually remember the cares and the concerns of others. That if we want to be truly caring to people, we need to remember the care and the concern of others. And this is seen actually throughout the Bible as well. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, they have so many uh, calls for us to remember because I think God knows that we are so forgetful. We read in Luke, actually in Mary's Magnificat, where she writes and she sings, she says that the God is one who remembers mercy. We need to do this as well. We also read from Paul um, some of the hurt that comes when people don't remember, actually. He says this. He says um, in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 9, Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. That when we forget what other people have done or gone through, it's actually like a lack of care. Or to put it more positively, Paul says this. He says in 1 Timothy, he says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. That when you remember someone, when you choose to prioritize caring for them, this is actually an act of caring. So I want to invite you that if you want to care for people practically, you have to remember what they're going through. You have to remember to follow up and to check up and to ask, how is this thing you shared with me about? We have to learn to remember. And if you struggle with memory, um, if you struggle with that, um, you know what you can do? You actually have this thing called the phone, I bet, that you can actually put a reminder in to just show up like next week, next month. You can actually put it on repeat or whatever so that you don't forget to remember. And if you use a system like this, this actually isn't um, you know, inauthentic or artificial. This isn't a lack of caring. When you actually choose to find a way to make sure you remember, this is an act of deep caring because you're saying, this matters to me so much, I won't forget. So make sure that you find ways to actually remember so you can follow up with people and to care for them. Okay? So we've taken a look so far at four ways that we can practically be caring for people. Right? You can listen, you can show up, you can bring food, and you can remember what people are going through. And then the last one, the last one again is simple, but it's something we do need to practice. The last one is just this. 
is that to care for people, you can actually pray for them. That to care for people, you can actually pray for them. I hope what you'll notice throughout the series, Root, is really how prayer, care, and sacrifice, we need to be doing all three of these things, and all three of them are really intertwined. But here's what I want to say really, really clearly, that there's no way to deeply care for others without actually praying for them, without actually being on their side, without actually reminding them that you care for them and you're upholding them in prayer. I think that we need to be people who pray for one another. And personally, personally, I have this kind of rule or this habit uh, that I try to follow, is that whenever I'm tempted to say to somebody, I'll pray about that, I try to pray about that right then and there, to not say, I'm going to take this to God later, but to do it today. That as Christians, we are called to be people who pray for one another. And this too is incredibly clear in scriptures. I'm going to read to you a, different, uh, a, number of, a number of them. In James, we read this. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Here we see that really clearly. Pray for one another. In 1 Timothy, we read this. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. We're called to pray for one another and for those around us. In Ephesians 6, we read this. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere and pray for me too. Or in Romans, uh, Paul writes this. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, I urge you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to join in my struggle by praying for God to me. That one of the ways you can care for someone is to join in their struggle by praying for them. Or in Colossians, we read this. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Pray for us too. Now what I want to say as clearly as I can is that praying is caring. Okay? That praying is caring. And I want to invite you to really make a habit of praying for others. I'm sure that there is an app for this, but for me, do you want to know how I do this? I'm kind of old school. I just have literally a list of people in a small book that I pray for. And when the prayers have been answered, I just cross and stroke it off. It's a reason for me to give thanks. It also helps me to remember. And I think that these are the things that we can be doing, to be remembering to be praying for others. And I can't tell you the number of times, the number of times as I'm kind of simply praying through my list, just going through it, that God will give me like a nudge, like I'll feel like I should reach out to that person. Sometimes I'll you know, just have their name or their face kind of flash in my mind as I'm praying and thinking. And what I've noticed is that as I consistently seek to respond to these nudges of prayer, I having people respond with really amazing moments. And I think this is important for us to then not only pray for people, but to let them know that we are praying for them. Because here's what I've experienced just in the past year with this. That twice, as I have reached out to people, uh, just through email, just letting them know, hey, I was praying for you today. Twice people have responded to me, like almost instantly, that that day they received horrible news, and that that email was just a reminder that God was with them in the midst of it. Once in this past year, I called somebody that I don't often really interact with. And I called them and I just said, hi, you're just on my heart today. Just wanted to let you know I was praying for you. And instantly, they kind of started to cry. Because I'm not making this up. Five minutes earlier, they had just got off the phone with their doctor and had heard that they had a diagnosis of cancer. And they were wondering, where was God in this? What was happening? And five minutes later, I call. Now, obviously, this isn't because of me. This is because of God's direction. And this gave them such hope and a reminder that God was with them because praying like this, it is caring. Throughout this year, actually, Krista had a running joke in some ways that there was twice when I would reach out to somebody through text. This happened. Twice I reached out to them to say, I was just praying for them today. People I don't normally do with this. And twice, um, what ended up happening was they had been let go on that day. And all of a sudden, they get a reminder that God is with them when they get a text like this, saying, I've been praying with you. You've been on my heart. God has actually led you to pray for me. And then once also what happened was this. Once I called somebody in our church, 
and I called and I said, hi, I'm just Andrew uh, from Bethany, just calling to let you know I've been praying for you. Is there anything I can pray for you about? Um, and the person on the other end of the line, they said, no, there's, there's nothing. There's nothing going on. I said, okay, that's fine. Just want to let you know I was praying. And as I was about to hang up, uh, they kind of stopped me. They said, hold on, hold on. Are you like Andrew Mills? And I was like, yeah, I'm Andrew Mills from Bethany. Yeah, and they're like, like the Andrew Mills? And I'm like, there's no, there's no the, it's just, it's just Andrew. Like, that's fine. Like, we don't need any of those extra special things. They're like, the guy who preaches? I was like, yes. The guy on stage? I was like, yes. They're like, the guy I see all the time? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that guy. And instantly, all of a sudden, they started to cry because they weren't sure that people cared. They weren't sure where God was. They just received some terrible news that day as well. And then I happened to call. And here's what I believe. Here's what I believe. That if we make prayer a focus, and if we make prayer intentionally to reach out to people, we will see this. Does this happen every single time I reach out to someone and let them know I'm praying for them? No, of course not. But I would say this, that it never happens if I don't reach out. Right? It never happens if I don't put prayer into practice. It never happens if I don't actually reach out with prayer as an act of caring. And I hope, I know you know me, but I hope you understand, even me sharing those stories, that's not an example of me being amazing. That's an example of what God does when we prioritize listening, following, and caring through praying. Okay? That's an example of what God does when we prioritize listening and following and praying and caring. And that you can be a part of that. You can be a part of that by simply reaching out to those around you, saying, I'm praying for you. Right? And I just think that's one of the ways that we can actually learn to care for one, each other. So today, what's my main point? My main point is that as Christians, we need to be caring. And my main point is I've given you five ways to do that. That we can care through listening. We can care through showing up. We can care through remembering and through feeding with food and through praying. That's my main point. That we can care through listening, through showing up, through feeding, through remembering, and through praying. And then today, today, do you want to guess what my challenge is? Because there's always a challenge. My challenge is to actually do this. Would you care for those around you? Would you put into practice these simple ideas the Bible teaches us? And I know, I know that they are simple. The point, though, is that they are actually meant to be practiced, right? James makes it really clear that if we don't practice these things, it's actually showing that there's something not right with our faith. He puts it this way. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions, right? But you don't show it by your actions. Can that kind of faith save anyone? He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So he says this, so you see faith by itself isn't enough. It's not just enough to say you believe or to know things or to have the right doctrines. He says, unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. So today what I want to do is I want to call you to good deeds. I want to call you and invite you and to challenge you to be caring, to do any one of those five simple actions. But let me just say this. They may be simple, but they leave an impact. And I know this because I've received so much love and care through those five actions from others. So today I want to invite you to be caring for those around you by praying, by feeding, by remembering, by showing up, and especially by listening. So then practically, what does this mean for us today? What I want to invite you to do right now, I actually want to invite you to just take one moment and to ask this question and to pray this question. To pray, uh, dear Holy Spirit, who are you inviting me to care for today? That's the question I want to invite you to think about, even right here and right now in this moment. Dear Holy Spirit, who are you inviting me to care for here today? I want to invite you to ponder it. And if a name comes to mind, if a face comes to mind, if you're feeling led in a direction, I want to invite you to take action today, to care for that person in any one of those five ways that we took a look at today. 
I want to invite you to take that direction as really the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you might be saying to yourself, but how do I know it's the Holy Spirit? What if it's not? Well, here's just what I believe, okay? That caring is never wasted, right? So reaching out is never a bad idea. So why not follow it? Because I know that when I have followed that voice, there's been amazing moments I've been able to be a part of because of listening and following. So today, today, what is my main point? It's that we need to be caring people, and we can do that through praying, through listening, through remembering, showing up, and feeding others. I want to invite you to do that this week. Would you be a caring person? Maybe send a text, drop off a meal, write uh, write a card to someone, give them a call. Maybe say, let's go out for coffee, and I just want to listen to where you're at. Let's truly be a caring community. Because here's what I believe. I believe that if we are going to change the world starting in Niagara, it begins with us being a caring community for a hurting world. And today we've seen five ways to do that. So I want to challenge you today. If God has brought someone to your mind, I want to challenge you to reach out to them today. And let's put care and faith and love of Jesus into action by how we care for those around us. And as always, let us pray together. Dear God, I ask, would you continue to guide us in all of this? I ask, would you continue to lead us into the people that we are called to care for? And I pray we would have courage. I pray we would have creativity for how to do that. But most of all, I pray that we would take action in caring for those around us. Would you lead us well? Would we hear from you? Would we respond to you faithfully? And might we see, Lord, our world changed as we seek to follow you in being a caring community to a hurting world. We pray this all in the wonderful name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.